Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. If you know me, then you might know how much I love drinking delicious coffee. Good chances are that if you see me walking around the Disneyland Resort, there's probably going to be a trent of cold brew in my hand. Well, back in the old days when we could use our mouth as we walked around, but you get the point. I love coffee and I'm happy to announce I, I don't try to sell too much to you. But if you want to get something really special, head over to ThunderKingBrewing.com. I have my own coffee bean. It's called Bricky's Bourbon Beans. And now with vanilla, let me explain. My friends way back home in Kentucky, they have a bourbon company called Bedtime Bourbon. We take their bourbon, we age it with organic Guatemala beans and this time organic vanilla beans. What happens is, is once we roast this to get the cleanest, char-free, purest taste, the bourbon alcohol content burns up. But the taste of delicious bourbon from back home, it's in there, along with nods of milk chocolate, nuts, toffee, oak, and butterscotch. It's a limited batch of Bricky's bourbon beans now with vanilla, and it's available today at thunderkingbrewing.com. Me and my friends over at Thunder King, we worked hard to make this delicious batch of coffee, limited edition for the holidays, and hey, you're a Disney fan. So I know that you love limited edition treats more than anyone else. Head over to thunderkingbrewing.com right now. Buy yourself a bag. I guarantee you, you haven't had a cup of coffee like this, whether you serve it hot or cold. Thunderkingbrewing.com. Bricky's bourbon beans with vanilla. Every bag supports my friends at Thunder King and every bag also supports Adventures in Design and Disneyland for Designers. What do you say we get started with a very special solo episode of Disneyland for Designers? It's our 2020 Thanksgiving episode, and believe it or not, there is so much to be thankful for, even in 2020 as a Disneyland fan. Previously recorded from a park bench inside of Disneyland. Look, it's Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, and I know that I'm a little bit off here, but I'm feeling that moment of this time of the year where what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be reflective of all the great things that you have. And I know that this has been a year unlike any other one that any of us have lived through. In fact, the last time that America or planet Earth, if we want to look at this a little bit larger, went through something like this was 100 years ago. And I don't know about you. I look good for my age, but I'm not a hundred. I'm, I'm far off from that. And in fact, my goal as a person is I just want to live to make it to the year 2055. My dream is to stand on Main Street to see Disneyland turn 100 years old. And I will do anything I have to do to get a ticket for that July 17th. That's my goal. I literally think all the time, like, well, I got to at least make it to 2055. But let's go 30 years back in the past, 35 years back in the past till today. And as we're getting to this moment where, yeah, I haven't been inside of Disneyland since March. And if you listen to the show from far away, oh, Bricky, poor Bricky doesn't get to go once a week. But hey, poor Bricky, I don't get to go once a week. I cannot even tell you how much the park has become a part of my life. Since I moved to Southern California in 2013, I cannot even explain to you how much I've fallen in love with the park since the first time that I went to it in 2011. It has become my hobby. 
It's become my escapism. It's become the thing that I think about when my brain goes into idle mode, right? Like I have my career, I have my family, I have my obligations as a husband and as a friend. But you know when your brain kind of just drifts over into idle mode, right? Like there's not all these pressing things going on. My brain tends to go over to Disneyland. And of course, I'm going to acknowledge that this year is is different. And we don't have all the things that we used to have. And to some degree, that might be a healthy check of balances for our hearts, for our privilege, for how spoiled that many of us have been. But it does hurt. It does sting to know that this holiday, nobody gets wished Merry Christmas by Jack Skellington. We don't get to see those flat toy soldiers walk down Main Street, or even better, the gingerbread men who are burned on the back. Gingerbread people, okay? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm adjusting to the way the world's working. Uh, this old dog is still trying to learn new tricks. We don't get to see World of Color uh, Holiday, which is probably the best version of World of Color. And to everybody who joined me last Friday for our DCA Christmas party, what a fun night that was. I mean, getting together with about 120 Disney fans and just letting me be your guide and take you to all the different events. And I tried really, really hard to make sure everything that we saw was at night so that it felt like we were really there. And in 2020, everything is controversial. And I had a snow mode that the audience could turn on and the snow was controversial. And that made me feel like, yep, this is the year of constant, constant fighting. And yes, it does break my heart if I look at 2019, last year I got to hang out with the great Rolly Crump. I got to go to his home, sit at his kitchen table, and talk all about him working directly with Walt Disney. That's Adventures in Design episode 1000. That's how I celebrated 1000 episodes, by interviewing probably my closest um, opportunity in my lifetime to interview Walt Disney, right? To interview someone who, walked, who worked directly under Walt Walt was his art director. Walt was the, the, the guiding creative hand. And to learn from Raleigh, not only a phenomenal artist and an Imagineer in his own right, but to understand what that dynamic of actually working with the legend, Walt Disney, one of the greatest gifts that we were given in the 20th century. And that was my one shot to talk to somebody still on the earth that worked with him, worked with him closely and could explain to me, hey man, I was just making a tiki mask. <laughs> I didn't know how this tethered in to the tiki room. I just knew I was supposed to make these masks. So I went off and I made them and, and Walt knew how to stitch everything together. So yeah, last year I got to hang with Rolly and last year many of us got to sail on the happiest little cruise that ever took off around the world. And we got to go to Small World. And to see that small world facade where each string of lights has one twinkle light to make it look magical, it's not going to happen this year. It's just not. But what I'm choosing to do is I'm choosing to reprogram my brain. And I'm actually very thankful right now in this moment, which is the reason why after I got my morning Starbucks, I like ran home. I'm like, I got to go straight to my studio. I have to record this while I'm in the moment. Because yeah, I've listed a lot of things that we don't have, but let me tell you what we do have and where I'm starting to put my interest as a fan, where I'm putting my emotions as a fan of the Disney parks. Is that the thing that I love about the park is that it's alive. 
It's breathing. It's living. It's always evolving. It's always growing. And I have mad respect for uh, Walt Disney World, but I'm a Disneyland guy. And I love the creative restraints of Disneyland. You know, a little fun fact to kind of compare the two parks. You've probably heard me say this before, but it bears repeating in, in today's conversation. Walt Disney World has 25 miles, give or take, of monorail track. We have 2.5 miles of monorail track. Walt Disney World in Orange County in Florida essentially exists in its own little city. Disneyland is embedded in the middle of Anaheim, which is in Orange County, which is in Southern California, which is one of the most populated areas in all of these somewhat United States. And what's fascinating to me is that because Disneyland exists inside of a hustling, bustling metropolis, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how great the magic trick works. Friends, I'm from the Kentucky-Indiana border. I grew up playing in the Ohio River. I would see the Bella Louisville and the Delta Queen go by me. And when I'm on the Mark Twain in the rivers of America, it is hard to remember that I'm not back home on the banks of the Ohio. It is so just embedded into the park. Everything around it is, is perfectly manicured to do this magic trip of magic trick that you've, you've gone away. You, you've gone literally to the rivers of America, whether that means to you, the Ohio or the Mississippi, you, you are in the neck of the woods that I come from. And so to do that magic trick inside of a big populated area, that's why I love the park. I went there as a skeptic thinking there's no way this could even come close to Walt Disney World because I, I knew the size difference. I also knew the population difference. I said, there's no way this could be that good. And it blew me away when it was better because I'm a creative, I'm a designer, I'm an artist. And even though I'm not illustrating anymore and doing graphic design per se, I am a creator. I love my podcast. I love my YouTube channel. I love building things. I love constructing things. But more importantly, I love the challenge of all those things. It's one thing to build something. It's another thing to build something that an audience wants to listen to. It's a whole other thing to build something that an audience wants to pay for. So I love the construction of creativity and Disneyland is a beacon of everything that stands for creativity, hours and hours of research, pretty much unlimited budget to build whatever blue sky imagination that the Imagineers can, can put into this small, small parcel of land. So yeah, don't get me wrong. The attractions are phenomenal. Hands down, when I look back at 2020, Friday, January 17th, will go down as one of the best days of this year because Thursday, January 16th, me and my friends met at midnight in the Asparalande. Uh, that was a long one. Waited in the rain, waited for our chance to go in and to get some new new and get on that rise of the resistance. And it was phenomenal. And all of our friends were out there. Like It was like all the people that that you know that make Disney content like they're all there we're all hanging out we're all having fun and it really showed that there's a community behind the park but ultimately between those peak moments the thing that gets me through when where this conversation is going is that 
What I really love about Disneyland and the Disneyland Resort is the Sim City aspect of it, right? It's always building, it's always constructing. And because the Southern California Park really plays up to the Southern California guest, it's an AP park. You know, we make up a huge portion of the population of Disneyland. So instead of focusing on big marquee attractions every three years to bring in massive amounts of people, they, they do that. But, you know, it's been a while since new attractions got put in. Like, you know, we're in this golden renaissance of the theme park industry. Uh, well, we were. We'll see if we get back to that. It's projected that it's going to come back even stronger by 2025. And I, and I believe it will because social media has really shifted the way that people live their lives, how they live like live entertainment. Also, the, the decaying of the real Main Street, you know, small stores. Uh, the pandemic's not going to be very forgiving to commerce, you know, brick and mortar retail. So we're seeing the whole world shift into more of an online shopping environment, which means then you have to do something with your free time and, and amusement parks, interactive uh, entertainment facilities. That is the wave of the future. And I know people that are like dialed in the entertainment industry that have broke shows on cable networks, major networks, manage top tier talent. And they're literally trying to figure out what are these tours that we can make that take over all these empty malls? Like what can we do that could go to every empty Sears in America for five days and just blow the socks off of the people in South Dakota that are starved for some, you know, in life entertainment, real, real entertainment right there in front of them. Something they can go do something they can take photos of something they can do with their kids. So this entertainment is, the, the future. And Disneyland, I say this all the time, they didn't invent the theme park, but they perfected it. And they are the trademark seal of approval. They are the, the blue ribbon for the best experience one could anticipate to have when going out to a theme park. And so in doing that, it's way, way more than just rides. In fact, they're called attractions. But it's all the little pieces around the attractions, right? It's the new foods, it's the new decorations, it's the new uh, merchandise that comes out, and it's the new little special events. It's also the rebranding of a shop into something new. And so as I discovered how much I love Disney, Disneyland, I should say, I discovered the, the blogosphere around it. And I have to say, my still my number one girl is the website MiceChat. Now, I know if you say MiceChat to a lot of fans, they think of the message board, and it can be somewhat toxic. And comments for YouTube videos about Disneyland can be somewhat toxic. There are a lot of people that think that they love the brand, but they truly hate it. They have some sort of grudge on their shoulder against Disney and so they have this real like FM attitude which I just don't even understand like it's a happy place just be happy with it or go some other place that's my mindset so the venomous like poison the well version of the Disney fan I just don't get it so the message boards that's just never really been for me I'm an IRL conversation type of guy I'm not very good at typing in fact I got to go to community college for free because of learning disabilities. Yeah, that's right. Your boy can barely read, but I get through life. <laughs> I've got some hacks. I got some hacks. But the thing that I found 
fascinating about Mice Chat, and, and more specifically, this blog, a uh, uh, reoccurring article that I fell in love with. It was called Dateline Disneyland. And it would get posted around midnight every night at, at Sunday or Monday morning, whichever way you want to look. I, I don't feel like it's the new day until I wake up. So even though it's 3 a.m., it's still Sunday until I wake up and then it's Monday. And I remember stressed out, new to California, new to this extraordinary expensive cost of living. And uh, my way to count sheep at night was to go to bed reading Wikipedia about Disneyland. I was so fascinated that every single building had a very interesting and deep history in which you would just be like, whoa, this one shop had eight other lives before it become, became the one that I know. Oh, whoa. All of the shops on the eastern side of Main Street USA are designed to be things that you need on your way into the park. All of the shops on the western side are all of the things you would want to do to slow down leaving the park at the end of the night. That's why the Gibson girl is on the west side. What? There used to be guns on Main Street and you could go into a, a shooting gallery in the back of the Penny Arcade? What? The Penny on the Penny Arcade has 1901 on that penny in the logo in the top that is the year that Walt Disney is born? As a designer, as a creative, I loved reading Wikipedia and I would literally read an article and then all of the links in that article or all the big topics that came with an article would just become a new tab. And then that would go onto a reading list and one of those would be the next night. But once a week, once a week, I was given the gift of that new Dateline Disneyland update. And what they would literally do is they would walk through the entire park with a camera. And they would say, these decorations are new, this tree's new, there's a, there's a, you know, a rail up around the sidewalk here. And the this, this sidewalk, uh, we believe from a source, the sidewalk's going to get graded down so it's a little bit easier for our, our citizens of Disneyland that have to be in a wheelchair or kids in a stroller, to be fair. And so I started to get obsessed with, wow, this little city inside of a city, as it's been called by the governor of California, it, it, it moves and it breathes and it's always reshaping itself. It's always taking a new identity for the next holiday, for the next event, or for the next need of the customer. Take something like Splash Mountain, for example. We live in a very divided America. Probably half of Disney fans are bummed out that Splash Mountain's going away because that's what they're familiar with. But half of America is probably excited that the ride will get rethemed, they'll get something new, and it'll be a more inclusive version of Disneyland. I'm not going to tell you which way to feel. I'm in that second camp. But I'm, I'm done telling people how to feel about things. Because our country is so divided, I'm really trying to hear people on both sides because that's how you get people to hear your side. But the idea that Splash Mountain, this thing that nobody ever, ever thought would go away, 
in our lifetime, in the next couple of years, this is on a fast track to, to make a more inclusive park, which I'm all in for. It will slowly get regroomed to tell a new story, to have a new heroine, heroine. <laughs> it always feels like you're saying the drug. I always pump the brakes on that one. But it'll get reshaped for a wider audience for generations to come. And I think that's a great thing. But what I'm more intrigued by is how you take something masterfully crafted by the great Tony Baxter and reshape it into something completely different. That type of problem solving really gets my creative brain flowing and it really gets my heart pumping because Splash Mountain, arguably, removing the theme, I have seen Song of the South. I am from the South. I saw it in the movie theater as a kid. <laughs> it's pretty perfect. It's a pretty perfect attraction. And it was never designed to be anything other than that. So the fact that you could go in there and use those bones to build something that the corporation feels reflects a better tomorrow. Walt never wanted it to be a museum. He always wanted it to be evolving. I think right now Walt would probably be very disappointed at how much of the park is stuck in time. But then they would explain to him what COVID-19 is and how they lost the money for Tomorrowland. And he'd give them a pass for an afternoon and then he would start dreaming up something big but what I'm getting at it's that evolution of Disneyland that I love and Dateline Disneyland it just became a ritual for me and it was like time would stop and I would just sit there and read it and I would put notes over my phone when you go to the park check out this tree when you go to the park check out this shop go see how the paint job is going on this cabin in Frontierland like I wanted to seek out those new things because that was that week's adventure at the park. And they would also periodically do these like deep dive posts where they would explain all of the various construction projects and sort of what the FYP was, five-year plan, where the park was going, where it was headed, where the funds were being reallocated. You know, I, I loved that whole idea that, you know, Park's got a limited amount of money. They want to do all this stuff. It's super expensive. Like I follow this one website where they show all the permits and it's just like, wow, $275,000 to put a new beam in the theater so they can add another monitor for when we go see uh, Frozen. It's like insane what things cost at Disneyland because, you know, everybody knows they can charge them. They, they, it's not a fly-by-night operation. They have to have everything up to the highest OSHA codes and, and building codes. So it's, it's an expensive rig they got out there. But what I'm getting at is I really love following the motion, the construction of the park. And I feel like when you have an idea of how something's built, it can at times ruin the magic trick, but at other times it can enhance it because you understand why things are the way they are. I mean, knowing the backstory of Walt sending a postcard back to California to one of his boys just being like, front side of the postcard says, Matterhorn. The back side of the postcard says, build me this, Walt. <laughs> I just love the guy who just like, oh, you got Mel. Okay. Holy shit. I got to build a Matterhorn now. How am I, Hey guys, how are we going to build a mountain? How are we going to build a mountain and put a roller coaster in it? 
Nobody's, oh, we're going to put two in there. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes it easier. I mean, heaven forbid we don't just put one roller coaster in a mountain. We're going to put two in there. Okay, that makes sense to me. So the idea that it's always growing, always evolving, just, I love that. And what I'm thankful for is, is we're back to that moment, okay? Let me re- re- regroup here on the year, do a quick timeline to explain what I'm talking about. Friday, March 13th, the park closes at midnight. They thought they were going to be closed for two weeks. They thought they'd be able to do a lot of maintenance. And then everybody realizes, whoa, coronavirus, COVID-19 is way worse than what we thought. For those of you that believe that it's real, because I've come to learn from YouTube that half of the population doesn't think that it's real. But either way, we're in this moment and the park's closed. They try to reopen the park. They shoot for hey, wouldn't it be a total Disneyland thing to do that we come back harder than ever, giving people the magic when they need it the most on the 65th anniversary, July 17th, Friday. Well, right around that time, COVID flares up. Gavin was running with all the other states that were getting fast and loose. California's numbers started to go the wrong way. And Gavin's, whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to pump the brakes here. California's not going to be like these other guys. And that date gets canceled. But what did happen, the, 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 the one thing that went in our favor, because when Disneyland closed on Friday the 13th in March, Saturday, March 14th, downtown Disney was still open. And it would be open for a while. It had hardly any guests showing up. The demand had been taken from 100% to like 5%. And eventually, everything pretty much shut down in Southern California. But even though we didn't get the park back, we did get downtown Disney back. And I know I've talked a lot about downtown Disney on the last couple of months of the show, because right now that's the Disneyland that we have. And in its opening, it opened with, I would say, you know, monkey math off the top of my head, like 60% of the shops, 50% of the restaurants. And slowly every week it evolved back into all the shops, all the restaurants, I think except for uh, Split, Splitsville. I think that's still closed just because of, well, what are they going to do? It's a massive indoor facility. And they lost the void, but I think that was going to happen either way. But slowly it evolved into this little news drip of like, well, now this shop's open. And now this shop's open. And then as we realized we were going to be in this moment for a while, because a lot of people believe that any minute we're going to get an announcement sometime in September that the park would reopen in October, because literally everybody's thinking, how could we go a holiday season without Disneyland? And I've been somebody who predicted in the middle of the summer, we won't see Disneyland reopen until spring 2021. And I got a lot of venom for that. I made a lot of people mad. But I'm like, it's not me who's closing it, guys. I'm just reading the room and understanding this is where we're at. These are the consequences of having a two different sides of society that half is trying to make it go away and half's making it stay longer. And that's not my opinion. That's just literally what's happening. And the numbers would show that. And sorry to talk about all this. We talk about Disneyland. I know people, you lost me. You went political. But how do I tell this story without saying how we got into this spot? Like, I am the realest of real Disney content creators. I love it as hard as I can, but I'm also as real as I can be. 
And so we got into this moment where slowly everything was realizing that we're stuck. But in the stuckness, in the stucky stuck stuck, things started to not suck. In that, I saw this little blog post go out over the Disney Parks blog. Here's a treat guide, a Halloween fall treat guide to downtown Disney. And I looked at it and I go, wait a minute. This is starting to feel oddly familiar. All of the different shops or, you know, for Halloween, all the different eateries are celebrating Halloween with limited edition specialty treats. Interesting. And then we saw Wonderground Gallery one night went away and a Star Wars pop-up shop was in its place. And even though I wasn't the biggest fan of that move, as a fan, sometimes you don't always like the things that Disney does. And it's okay to criticize them. They're not perfect. And they know they're not perfect. In fact, the way that Disney handles criticism, I think is is a really great example of how to run your corporation. I, I really... Uh, admire the fact that they know that they mess up. They know that they have a very, very passionate fan base. And where there's passion, there will be people that get upset. But we did get this Star Wars pop-up shop. And I went in there and I'm like, eh, it's too ugly to be forever. So therefore, I know Wonderground will be back or Wonderground will, will take some other form. We also, before that, a little bit out of sequence here, we started getting these special merchandising events where you look over at Twitter and you see they dropped a product that you like so you sign up and you reserve your own dedicated time slot where you go to the resort you check in you go in there's one cast member at one desk for you he or she has all of the products behind them and you say I want one of those one of those and you have a one-on-one shopping experience that is done to the minute on the clock, making you feel safe. It's fun. It's exciting. It's nice to have your own shopping liaison. And it's it's a fun experience. And then as we realized, hardcore, let's buckle in. Park's not going to open till 21. We saw Studio 17 get converted into the Studio Backlot Premiere Shop. Now, a lot of people have been like, I don't know, I wasn't that impressed. And you're always going to get guy with backpack arms crossed oh they could have did better but man for something that's temporary getting to go in that separate entrance they made some nice banners they put up some popcorn lights they designed the whole back to really make it look like you're going to a movie premiere or at least being on a, a movie set they have those those bush walls that i don't know where hollow hollywood or or big high-end parties that i've been to like in melrose and, and hollywood like they they always rent these like bush walls well we're, we're, we're shutting off a block of melrose and we're gonna put up bushes so that we're like trapped in our own block because we're gonna take over a block of melrose for like a celebrity auction type thing they're not auction off celebrity celebrities bidding on auctions to raise money for stuff uh, I, I don't know celebrity auction where you could just buy a celebrity that'd be an interesting but the point is, is that whether it's perfect or not is, is up to you. But what you can't deny is it's a commitment to putting more into the park. And so the next time you go to downtown Disney, you go, wow, now I can park over in the symbol lot 
I can work my way through everything. I can go into the Esplanade, and I can look at sad clothes Disneyland and sad clothes Buena Vista Street. But now there's a little bit more. I can now explore a little bit deeper than what I could last week. And probably the biggest announcement, the announcement that's going to be very interesting, and I'm already dialed to go in on Thursday, hope that I can make it to my final destination. As Philander and I talked about it, Buena Vista Street will be reopening this Thursday. And yeah, we got some bad news. Orange County has slid back into the purple tier, which is the most severe tier, which means that you have more than seven uh, cases of coronavirus per 100,000 citizens. They need to get to yellow to just get back to, I guess, whatever normal feels like. So even though Buena Vista Street hasn't even opened yet, if they were expecting that they could have a thousand people there on Monday morning by Monday afternoon, they're like, all right, well, we need to cut it back to 500 people. Because with this new move, you know, the amount of folks you can have do something gets reduced by like half. We're at 50% uh, capacity. Now things are down to 25%. But the point is, yeah, there'll always be purple days. There'll always be something that you don't have. And and if you want to go through life focusing on what you don't have, I'm not going to stop you. I was that guy for a long time in my life. But when I started to be the guy that focused on what I did have, and more importantly, the things that I wanted to have, and how fun it was to do the problem solving to get those things, it made them even sweeter when I could get my hands on them. And friends, you think, oh, privileged guy goes to Disneyland once a week. Privileged guy who just got to live in California. Just being where I'm sitting right now was a lifelong struggle. Maybe you were just born here. Maybe you've known nothing other than living in Orange County or LA County. But to me, the dream was just getting here. And Disneyland was just a cherry on top. Learning to love something this much and to have such a fun, positive hobby that's brought so many beautiful people into my life and something that occupies that creative part of my brain where it's always changing, it's always developing, it's always becoming something new. We're back, baby. We are right back to where we are at. Yeah, of course it looks differently, but if you follow the blogs, if you follow the YouTube channels, if you if you follow all the fans, if you follow Disney's press releases, we're getting a new little drip. And the drip's back on. The faucet's running. Yeah, it's not flooding. And it's not going to fill up the bathtub anytime quickly. But there's water coming out of the spout. And if you were dying of thirst, you would be happy to just get a drop. And I was thirsty. I was looking for this part in my life. Sure, I can't go to the park the way that I used to and be with all my friends. There's a whole lot of things that I can't do anymore. But focusing on what I can do is I can choose to be excited about the new things that are happening. And I can choose to be optimistic that Buena Vista Street is a dress rehearsal for maybe a little bit more of DCA to get turned on. The fact that Disney canceled hotel reservations shows that they know that they're locked in for a while. But the fact that they opened up DVC Club Villas in the Grand California 
shows that they are committed to still entertaining their most hardcore, their most loyal of customers. And being a top-tier annual pass holder, I find that to be promising news. So you can always go through life being aggravated, being upset, and being like, oh, 2020 is the worst year ever. And yeah, it's not great. But it's getting better. And it's slowly getting much better. With the announcement of various different vaccines, we've had one drop last week, 90% efficiency, one this week, 95% efficiency. Those have raised up the stock of Disney. Like literally their stock price has gone up, even though their earnings have gone down and they can't open their parks. Because people know, smart people know, that this place that we love, this form of entertainment, pandemic or not, hell or high water, It's the future of entertainment. When everything shakes out, it will still be there. And it'll be in higher demand than ever because people have missed it. And unfortunately, a lot of the other things will have gone away and not made this test of time. I'm enjoying so much, so much, this new little drip of Disney. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway has gone vertical. Buena Vista Street is open. Downtown Disney is constantly reshaping the way that things are happening there. Shops are always offering new limited edition items. When I go there this Thursday, tomorrow, there will be Christmas trees in the planters. Like, it is moving forward. It's back to life. There's back to something new happening all the time or something new on the horizon to count down to, to be excited about. I'm going tomorrow. I know that I will for sure be able to get into downtown Disney. I don't know that I'll be able to get into Bonavista Street. I love that gamble. Even if I just end up live streaming outside the gates and go, look at those people in there. It will be fun to see those people in there, and I will be happy for them, and I will readjust my strategy the next time I go in case I didn't get in. So friends, the reason why I wanted to do this episode I know sometimes, you know, you get backed up. You got a lot of podcasts to listen to. I wanted to give this one uh, a a nice distance so you could listen to this before Thanksgiving. Maybe to get you in the mindset of, yeah, you can't go see grandma. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you don't want to go see grandma this year. Yeah, your life is different. No doubt about it. And you can completely be bummed out about what you don't have. Or you can be so thrilled that you have what you do. Because 250,000 other Americans don't even have that, a life, to be excited about or to be depressed about. So if you're listening to this, I'm going to theorize that you're still alive. I've not figured out how to tap into that dead listener market, but if I thought I could get them to pay for subscriptions, you better believe I'd have the number one podcast, the number one Disney podcast for dead folks. But seriously, you're here. You're still around. And yeah, I know this luxury that we've all had in our lives, it's changed and it's still changing and it's still growing and it's still evolving. And if you can catch on to that and get obsessed with that fun of how it's changing. And I do these uh, pretty much weekly reopening Disneyland news videos and they're not meant to be negative. They're just meant to be a well-informed follow of how it's going because I'm fascinated with the reopening of Disneyland. It's not going to be easy. 
they've already put millions of dollars into adjusting the park for what the new safety protocols are. How will this change the park forever? How will it reopen? What's that strategy going to look like? AP events days, cast member previews. Do they go over to single tickets only for a, a brief time and put APs on pause? Or is it all AP for the first couple of weeks and then they slowly bring in ticketed folks? Like, There is so much excitement if you just learn to follow the headlines, follow the story, and look at Disneyland as the little city that it is that it's always trying to build a better tomorrow for itself and for all of the other citizens of Disneyland. Friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that somehow my positivity may have rubbed off on you and you got a little bit of a contact buzz. And I encourage you, in your life, in your hobbies, follow the positivity. And also, try to listen to other people. And then maybe they'll listen to you and get a different point of view. We, we really need to start being friends with each other instead of just dismissing everybody that has different thoughts of us as being dumb or uninformed or stupid. That's something that's a big goal of mine. It's a really big goal of mine over the next four years is to try to make content that always gets my point across but has space to acknowledge how you feel. All right, maybe I've got too woke for a Disneyland podcast, but uh, I keep it real. And if you like my content, then you have to be willing to keep it real along with me. Thank you so much for listening to this. If, if I don't get to you before Thanksgiving, there will be an episode next week. Philander and I are going to go over the list of all of the new announcements that came from the, the uh, theme park convention that was out in Orlando. Uh, our boy JD gave us an update on all these big Disney projects. Philander and I are going to put them in a list and sort of talk about which ones we're most excited about, uh, which ones aren't really living up to our expectations, and just talk about all the new new that's coming from the Disney Corporation. Disneyland didn't get too much love, but I'm following all of these projects because I'm so excited to see these things come together. And uh, when the world gets back to normal, I do want to try to have uh, a year of my life where I go to every single park in one year. And uh, I'm trying to figure out when that year would be because I want to do it when like all the new stuff has sort of fallen into place. I want it to be the most epic Disney year of my life. But that'll be coming up next week. But if, if, if for whatever, I just want you to have a very happy Thanksgiving that at its core is full of thankfulness. And hey, I'm thankful for you going on this wild ride for me and to listen to this podcast and, uh, and entertaining me with your time, your downloads, and, and even your comments and, and sharing it with a friend. So thank you so much, friends, 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 friends. Until the next time I see you at Downtown Disney. I'll see you back here with another episode of Disneyland for Designers. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you and our mutual love of Disneyland. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that the memories you've made will bring you back again soon.